If you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter of the book of Genesis. As you know, we've been trying to kind of gear our times of confession to, um, to, the, pat, to the chapters or the, the books that we're reading for the month um, as a church, and we've been in Genesis uh, through July, and so it's kind of fitting that we finish July in chapter 50. Uh, we're going to read in Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21, and before we do, this is a, a very familiar passage, or should be, uh, the story of Joseph. Uh, we're all familiar with the story of Joseph, um, just how when he was younger, he was kind of the favorite of his father, Jacob, and Jacob kind of made that plain so that his brothers actually hated him because of his father's extra favor given to him. And Joseph was given these, these visions um, of his brothers and then his mother and father bowing down to him. And then, you know, like any good teenager would, he shared that with his family. And they hated him even more because of probably planning, hoping for an occasion to, uh, to get him for that. And so, as you know, his father sent him to go check on his brothers. They were out shepherding the flock um, near, I think it was near Shechem. And so he goes out. He eventually finds him. They see him coming a long way off. And they're like, there's that dreamer. Let's get him. They had originally planned to kill him. But then I think it was Reuben was like, well, you know, no, we're not going to do that. He's, he's our brother, so let's, let's put him in the pit. Um, and Reuben, you know, kind of won him over. He thought he was going to come back and rescue Joseph. It didn't happen. They saw these traitors going by, the Ishmaelites. So they sell their brother into slavery. Um, and, you know, they go back. They lie to their father. He's dead. Uh, an animal killed him. And, you know, Jacob thinks he's lost Joseph. But Joseph is taken by these traders into Egypt where he's sold into the house of Potiphar, the captain of the guard, for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And um, while there, the favor of God is on Joseph. Uh, Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of his whole household, and, and Joseph um, does everything well. Potiphar could not ask for a better head servant. Um, everything goes well for Potiphar. And as we know the story comes, Potiphar's wife takes an interest in Joseph and keeps trying to get him to, um, to sleep with her and commit immorality. Joseph refuses again and again and again and again. And what's interesting, you compare, and I had not thought of this until just now, you compare Joseph with Samson. Samson eventually gave away his secret because he was pestered by Delilah. Joseph never gave in. Um, so you see just a contrast of characters showing it is possible to resist repeated temptation in the same area. But Joseph refuses to give in. He's like, how could I sin against my master? And even more, how could I sin against God by doing this? Um, but eventually she's able to like catch him and get his cloak and he flees and she blames him for trying to, to, to uh, take advantage of her. And he's thrown into prison by Potiphar who's angry. It's interesting, it never says who he's angry at just that he's angry at the situation. Um, and so Joseph is now in prison. Uh, he, he was sold into slavery, was evil what was done to him, even if he could have been a little more humble with his brothers. It was wrong and evil what they did to him. It was evil what Potiphar's wife did to him. She lied about him. She falsely accused him, and he was thrown into prison on account of that. And then we come to the time in prison. He's there uh, again, the favor of God is with Joseph. God's hand is on him for good. And in everything he does, he's put in charge of the prison, of the prisoners, taking care of everything. Um, so much was God with him. 
And then you know the story, the chief baker and the cupbearer, they come in, they're put in prison, Pharaoh's angry with them, and so they're in prison, and they both have these dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. It turns out good for the cupbearer, bad for the baker. Cupbearer's restored, the baker's hanged. Um, And Joseph's like, you know, look, I've interpreted these for you. You know, remember me when you get out. Remember me. But he doesn't. So for another two plus years, Joseph languishes. And you know the story. Pharaoh has these dreams about a coming uh, seven-year season where they're going to have more plenty in terms of livestock and agriculture than they could have ever thought possible. And then after that, another seven years of the worst famine imaginable. And Pharaoh can't get anybody to help him. So then the cupbearer's like... You know, I'm a doofus. I forgot. There's this guy who can interpret dreams. He did mine. And so they bring Joseph out and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. Tells Pharaoh what's going to happen. Um, and, and Pharaoh acknowledges that this, some spirit of God or a God is at work in this man. We're going to listen to what he says. And Joseph gets put in charge over all of Egypt. Over the whole thing. The only one with more authority and greater majesty than Joseph is Pharaoh himself. And so as the famine eventually comes, you know the story, his family comes, and he, through a, matter, through a series of tests and testing them, finds out that they have truly changed. Especially when Judah is willing to put himself on the line, um, his own life, in order to not see his father disappointed at the loss of another son. That's when Joseph's like, okay, something is different, they're changed. Um, and so that's what's happened. They all moved to Egypt, we know that story. And so by now you'd think Joseph's brothers have understood Joseph is not holding their ev- the evil that they did to him. He's not holding that against them. But Jacob, their father, has died. And now let's pick up in verse 15 and let's see what happens. It says, When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph, it says, it's interesting, he wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And just a couple of quick thoughts uh, before we go to prayer. One, I think it's very clear that Joseph had a very vibrant understanding and grasp of God's good sovereignty. And I don't just say sovereignty in general, but God's good sovereignty. All that God does on behalf of his people, he does for their good. And as, as believers here, take that to heart. Every single thing that comes your way is directed by the hand of your loving Heavenly Father for your good, for my good, for each one of us. Joseph finally got to a place, and he, he had been there for a while, it seems, because this seems a very confident thing that he says. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So what we see is that God has the sovereign power 
to override human evil and bring about good that mankind never intended. And in no way does that ever mean God's okay with sin. Does that mean that God's okay with evil? We know a day of judgment is coming when he will judge all evil and judge those who commit it and have not repented. But God is not hindered by human evil. And Joseph got that. Not only is he not hindered by human evil, but he can override it to the point that it actually ends up serving his purposes. So Joseph's brothers, they intended evil. They didn't have a sense, well, we know God's going to use this in some special way for Joseph, so that makes it okay. No, they hated their brother. And Joseph knew that what they did, they did out of malice. And it was evil what they did. And that's why he says, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. Same word in the Hebrew for meant, intended. And Joseph, why, why did, why, how did he come to that conclusion? Look at the rest of the verse, verse 20. It says, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. Joseph understood that that course of repeatedly being wronged and treated maliciously and evilly by his brothers, by, by the wife of, of, Pharaoh, of, of Potiphar, he realized all that he had gone through, all that evil that he had endured, was God's process to get him to where he could actually end up being the savior of the whole world at that time from this famine that was so great. And the other thing it did, it kept him from bitterness towards his brothers. It kept him from bitterness towards his brothers. When people have done us wrong, it is so, if, in, I mean, maybe you don't struggle with this, I do. It is so easy to hold evil against people. And, you know, we, we tend to think in terms of, of big things, but just think in your relationships, in your own home, and, and those with those closest to you, little comments here, little actions here. If we are not careful, we can hold on to those in the worst way and then hold that against the people that we love. And Joseph understood that, yes, his brothers had done wrong. He never excused their sin. But he also was not bitter at them. He had seen that God had changed their hearts. He saw that they were broken and they were sorry and they were repentant over what they had done to him. And he understood. So, one, God's sovereign. Two, they are repentant. There is no way under the sun I can remain angry at them for what they did to me. And so as we go to prayer, one, I just encourage you, examine your own heart in light of all this going on in our world today. Um, you know, are we trusting that God is not just sovereign, but that he is exercising his sovereignty for us with nothing but our good in mind? Are we trusting in his good purpose in all that we're experiencing right now? And number two, evaluate relationships, things you've gone through, has, has, have those things moved you to bitterness? And if they have in any way, if you're struggling with forgiveness, struggling with holding something against someone, take, take, take some encouragement from Joseph. It never excuses evil, but we understand God is sovereign even over that. And especially if someone is repentant, pray that God would help you forgive them. So whatever that means for you right now, let's spend a few moments praying and then I'll close this together. So let's pray.
Father in heaven, God, I know I am so prone to, uh, to need what we see here at the end of Genesis. One, God, I'm prone not to trust you and your good sovereignty and your good purposes uh, for me. Um, Lord, I know I'm probably not alone in that. Uh, Lord, I, I know I struggle. Um, bitterness is so easy. But God, you are sovereign. And Lord, every single thing that comes my way, that comes any of our way, Lord, is not without purpose. And so God, help each one of us to, to have Joseph's perspective that you are at work, as Romans 8 says, to, to work all things together for our good. Even the most difficult of circumstances, the ones that, that are not on account of anything we've done. Lord, you are at work in those for our good. And Lord, help us trusting in your sovereignty, trusting in the power of the gospel, the power of Christ who has forgiven us the, 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 the greater offense by far. Help us, Lord, be able to forgive. Help us to not hold on to bitterness. But Lord, help us have the attitude Joseph did. Lord, where we can encourage others because we know that God is sovereign. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how clear it is. Help us walk in submission and obedience to it. Even this week, Lord, give us a chance to live out the things we've just looked at. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.